Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode has served as a member of the United States coaching staff for five Olympic Games as a mental skills coach and performance psychology specialist. She was recognized by ESPNW, named her as one of 30 women in the country who changed the way sports are played. She wrote one of my favorite books back in 2002 called Catch Them Being Good. Her bio list of awards recognition lifetime achievements hall of fames is probably longer than maybe our episode so let's get tuned in and listen to her welcome to the elevate podcast dr colleen hacker good morning how are you Good, thank you. It's good to be here. Good, good. I, I've seen you speak. I've seen you virtually. The enthusiasm is right out the gate. I love it. Um, when I started this podcast, you were one of those people that it was a dream to kind of have you on. So excited to have you. Grateful for your time. Um, to get started, I think when you talk mental toughness, what's, what's one of the simplest things athletes can do to strengthen their mental toughness? Well, simple question, but it's also the million dollar question. Yeah. You know, it's the good news and bad news about podcasts is, you know, you're sort of put in a position to try to create a bumper sticker for something that is really uh, complex. It's critical. It has many layers and, and it takes time and repeated effort and commitment to address. But... In the interest of Elevate, <laughs> let, let me say the first thing that, that I would suggest, the simplest thing is to recognize the MTMs. Like I'm starting to use the term mental toughness moment, mm. MTMs. And so the simplest thing that athletes can do is recognize MTMs, recognize that they're mental toughness moments. Because I think when MTMs occur, it's a very emotional and high stakes, high pressure uh, point in the game, in the match, in the race, in their careers. And so it's very common for athletes to get caught up in the emotion, in the grandeur of the situation and really fail to understand that at its core, this is a mental toughness moment. And mental toughness moments require recognition, a decision to act, and then the fortitude and strength, once you've charted that decision to act, to follow through on it. So recognizing it, making a decision, and then having the mental fortitude uh, to follow through on your decision on how you wanna respond to that mental toughness moment. Love it. Thanks for giving the, the broad and the, the MTM. I love that, that idea of recognizing those. You've been blessed to, and had an amazing career being a part of several Olympic coaching staff. So, you know, if you listen to the intro, there's more than that. Um, when it comes to what athletes have to handle, what has kind of remained the same and what has so drastically changed for that student athlete, that 20 year old amateur athlete? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's a that's a big chasm, like to talk about the Olympic Games and then the twenty year old amateur athlete. It really depends on on the sport. M by and large, a majority of Olympians, by and large, depends on the sport, are not amateurs. They're just not. So that's one thing that's changed. Those those days have. I don't want to say past again. I think that's another thing that the American public doesn't understand is, is each sport has a very unique and distinct Olympic pathway. And I've been fortunate to work with three or four different Olympic sports. So I've seen that firsthand. I, I'm going to choose to answer the first part of your question, sure. which is, you know, what has been the same uh, you know, I've been on six Olympic Games coaching staffs. What has been the same in those 25 years is the unprecedented uh, notoriety and visibility and media interest. For the United States, uh, I think unlike different particular sports where, for instance, World Cups might be viewed as more important than, than the Olympic Games in some sports, or World Championships uh, are regarded differently than the Olympic Games, or in tennis, where winning a major might be regarded differently. I'm, I'm just using those yeah. as three different examples. For Americans, nothing, <laughs> almost nothing surpasses interest and notoriety than the Olympic Games. You are forever introduced as a gold medalist. And if you fail to win a gold, it, it's interesting. People aren't generally introduced as silver medalists, they're introduced as medalists. So whenever you hear somebody introduced as a medalist, they know it and the world knows it means that they didn't win gold. Yeah. It's one of those sort of dirty little secrets. They're called medalists. When you're a gold medalist, you're called a gold medalist. And so what hasn't changed is the intense pressure the intense media spotlight, the awareness that the entire world is watching. And they may never do something, unless they're a multiple Olympian, they may never experience something of that magnitude again. So that hasn't changed. What are some, you know, one or two tools perhaps that athletes can use to kind of deal with that outside environment, you know, that is so, exponential compared to sometimes what it used to be it is and that's the million dollar question I, you know you have different mental skills coaches on your podcast and and i'm aware of the differing opinions in the landscape shall we say i will share mine i i feel like uh this is a dated movie but for for listeners maybe they'll see the connection I feel like too many people watch the movie Hoosiers too many times. That's really <laughs> what I have to say. Um, th there's just a whole lot of folks that just say to people, it's like any other competition. You know, that dramatic moment in Hoosiers where we measure the distance from the free throw line to the back. It's like any other competition. And I, I actually did a, a, a a presentation, a, a scholarly presentation, and I'll tell you everything you need to know about my views on this in the title. Yeah. And, and my presentation is the Olympic Games. They are exactly like every other competition, 
and completely different. And so my, when I work with Olympic teams, when I work with Olympic athletes, my professional view from six Olympic games experience is that you have to, you have to embrace and recognize both sides of that equation, not one or the other. So we engage in, in routines on automation, on being in the, in the now, right? In terms of exactly like any other competition, this is what you've been doing your entire life. But if you don't have unique and distinct and well-practiced and well-understood routines and responses for the other half of the equation, they're completely different. And so when coaches and, and mental skills coaches have spent three and a half years or however long they're working with a team. Well, this is exactly the same. It's no different. Train like you've always trained. And they get there and there's 2,000 people at their practice. They're like, um, yeah, this is nothing like I've done for the last four years. Yeah. So you, it, just think of it like math. Yeah. If you only deal with one side of the equation and expect to get an accurate answer at the end, it isn't going to happen. So it's both and. They're like every other competition and, and this is important, and they're completely different. And you need strategies for the entire spectrum, not one or the other. We've had a, a few Super Bowl champions on here, and I think the Super Bowl has kind of looked from their, a player's perspective was, and that's why some teams struggle the first time they go there because they don't have the other side of the equation of what it's going to entail and what they're going to encounter the football side, they know. Um, they're well prepared. They're playing well. So I, I, that's, I love that. I want to see more on that presentation. Um, yeah, bingo, uh, bingo is what I want to say. The Super Bowl, because I've, I've worked in the NFL, mm-hmm. worked with NFL players at that level. Perfect analogy. If you just want to say it's like even a, another playoff game, it's just not. It's just not. Now, the more you can keep it the same is in your favor, but I, I just think that's a perfect analogy. And they learn that after the first one. Yeah, I think you, see, you see, watch enough Super Bowls, you kind of see some patterns in there. Not always, but they're, they're occasionally. Um, one of the things some other guests have also talked about is the four table legs, but if you could refresh our listeners kind of on those, you talk about the fifth table leg that I like so much. You do. I smile. I smile every time somebody says that because, you know, when I, when I brought that phrase, I talk about the four pillars and I, and I brought that phrase to sport in 1995 before our first Olympic games. And now to hear that it's common and people change it to table legs and people, right. They'll change the metaphor, but nobody talked about the four pillars right before our first olympic games you just didn't hear that phrase mm-hmm. now it's commonplace again a little bit of history yeah. right things start somewhere and the four pillars are the technical the tactical the physiological and the psychological and then there's there's tons of of components to each of those four pillars and when i first talked about the four pillars nearly 30 years ago, I just talked about four pillars, right? Technical, tactical, physiological, psychological. In the last decade, mm, decade and a half, now I've added four plus one. 
And that plus one, and I always talk about four pillars, that hasn't changed. My views on that haven't changed. And I'll simply say what I say to clients, if you are not systematically and scientifically training based on solid evidence, research-based evidence in all four pillars on a consistent basis, you're leaving some of your potential and the potential for history making in your career on the table, right? I think that's where they got it. Right? <laughs> so you're exactly. You're a good listener. You're a good listener. Um, so again, people are caught are are sort of, yeah, I'll I'll just let that go. Um, yeah, it I think it's a metaphor that has stood the test of time, nearly 30 years. The plus one is team. The plus one is team. And in any sport, I don't care if it's tennis or swimming or track and field. And the reason I'm starting there is because we think of those as individual sports. No one who competes in any sport believes that it happens as an individual. Every individual athlete is part of a team. Every team sport athlete is part of a team. So the four pillars plus one is dealing with those team dynamics athlete to athlete relationships, your relationship to the team, the team's relationship to you, your relationship to the leadership structure, it might be captains or assistant captains, uh, your relationship to the coaching staff, to the assistant cat uh, coaches, to the support staff. I mean, in soccer right now, there are as many staff members as there are players on the team. I don't know if people understand that. I think the NBA seems like that too, right? So now. the staff is as big as the roster. That's a lot of egos, personalities, uh, jobs, uh, skill sets, expertise. So there's a lot of friction and there's a lot of meshing that needs to occur. And when you get to the professional level or the Olympic level, I will say you may be good enough to play there. But, but can you withstand the reality of life on the road, life in the NBA, life in the NFL, life as an Olympian? You know, in Olympic years, you're on the road hundreds of days a year. So that team, you know, really understanding that you didn't get there alone, you're not going to stay there alone. We need each other. Other people got you there. People are working hard to keep you there. We need each other. And so that plus team element needs to be recognized and cultivated. There's a, as you see those, you know, increase in staffs, I think you see it in a lot of, a lot of sports, um, mental health elements, you know, all, all kinds of different arrays of support from the kind of the, the pillars, really things that, yeah. that things that are supporting athletes in those pillars. What, what do you think is still one of the, the things that athletes needs more support on? And probably I'm talking now more at, you know, a high school collegiate level. Yeah. I, I'm really, for my entire career, I believe in coaching people first, you know, I coached intercollegiately for 17 years at division one level, at a small college level. And I would say to make the point, right? To make the point, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I coach players who play soccer. I coach players who play soccer. Interview 20 soccer coaches and they'll say, I'm a soccer coach. 
They say sport first, individual second. And I think, I think anything that we can do, those of us who love and are involved in sport, to put athletes at the center. And I will just respectfully say, athletes can be athletes without coaches. Athletes can play ice hockey. Athletes can play lacrosse. Athletes can play American football. But coaches can't be coaches unless they have someone to coach. That's what makes a coach a coach. And so, so it's curious to me, this hierarchical coach on top, and then there's a trickle down. It's like, I think you're missing some fundamental Mm. element of this. Athletes don't require anything except the implement of their sport, a stick and a ball, a puck and an ice, uh, you know, a racket and a tennis court. Athletes can be athletes. The coaches never could, could be called a coach if they don't have someone to coach. Keep athletes at the center. That's number one. Number two, coach the whole person. I go to I go to countless coaching clinics and it's X's and O's and X's and O's and X's and O's and X's and O's. And then there's a strength and conditioning person and it's X's and O's and it's X's and O's and it's X's and O's. And then there's a mental skills coach and it's X's and O's and X's and O's. And then there's a registered dietitian. You get my point. Going one, going to one a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Correct. And, and you can email me afterwards, right? If that's not the case, like we've got, yes, X's and O's, which means technical and tactical, of course, of course. But we've got to coach the whole person, technical, tactical, physiological, and psychological. And if you have one of those pillars shorter than another, and then try to build the foundation, and one pillar is lower, this is, this is what the foundation is going to do. So we have got to invest in whole athlete, athlete 360. That's what I'm starting to say to folks. If we've got to coach athlete 360. There's in my interactions with a lot of coaches, I say, what's your team need the most? I, no one's told me X's and O's in years. Like they're, we're good on, I'm good on that part. (laughs) So it's, it seems to be, you know, very much so I think working with some of those table legs. Yeah. And and I love, I love you saying that because I think in my, in my world, in mental skills training, it's an add on, it's a separate, like they go to practice and then we have a team meeting, they go to practice you know, and then you bring in an expert. I, I promise you that is the model, right? Most often, yeah. Can you imagine not working on free throw shooting and then go into a team meeting from seven to eight after practice where you don't shoot free throws, you go into practice from seven to eight and you listen to a PowerPoint presentation or an exciting, energizing mental skills coach presentation on shooting free throws and people would go we shoot free throws on the court we don't do it at a team meeting okay we're gonna train for a month and then a month into our season i'm gonna bring in an expert on how to shoot free throws and people would laugh at that i mean they would just look at you like what planet are you on and that's the model that we use for mental skills training 
And what I like to work with coaches on, what I do when I'm embedded with a team, is mental skills training occur on the ice, on the track, on the field. It, you need to infuse mental skills training where mental skills training is needed, which is not the classroom, which is not a guest speaker. You know, I, I smile at so many mental skills coaches who list all, I work in this, I work in this, I work in this, I work in this. I think what you mean is I came in and did a presentation. That's not working with someone. No. I don't count presentation. I'm not working with a, I don't work with podcast hosts. <laughs> like I'm a guest on your podcast. I don't work with podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you're not, I'm not getting on your resume today from yeah, this, this exactly. interaction. Dang. But I'm trying to make a point. Be, be careful with with this notion that doing a presentation to a group is working with a group it's giving a presentation right so we need to embed mental skills training where mental skills training is needed in the pool in the gym and the field in the weight room it needs to be integrated not a separate add-on I, I'm laughing and, you know, digesting all the presentation. You see it all exactly as you said with, with that setup, that scale. Um, but it, I love how you talk about it. Cause I think then it's always one of those things I talk to with the coach. I'm like, well, the presentation, we can talk about it in a classroom, but you're not stressed in the classroom. You're stressed yeah. in the way you're stressed where you're physic. That's where we need it. So why are we, you gotta, we can do it in here, but that's where they're really going to understand it. Just like your football plays or whatever it is. Correct. And, and Correct. so, how do you do that? And I think that's, it, it, you ha it has to be aligned with reps. Like you, yeah. that's, we're training you reps. You said, you wanna, if I said to you, I'm gonna give you $10,000 for how many free throws you can shoot out of 10, if you can get eight out of 10 or higher, I'm gonna give you $10,000 in seven days, but you can only practice one way. What are you going to do? I'm putting you on the spot now, but you can only practice one way. I'm going to give you $10,000 in seven days. You can just make eight out of 10. You can only practice one way. What are you going to do? Stand at the line and shoot free gonna... throws. And anybody who doesn't get that connection between A dot and B dot is missing something. If I'm a mental skills coach. This is what I do for a living. I've been doing this for decades. If you're going to give me $10,000 in seven days, I'm going to stand at the free throw line. And what I want to say is, end of story. Like you already know that. So you need to do that in everything. Yep. You need to do that in everything. So you've hit on the magic sauce. You have got to, I'm going to use your language now. You got to get the reps in. You got to get the reps in. You can't just sit there with popcorn and your thumb in your mouth like you used to when you were two years old and listen to a speaker. That's not it. It's got to be reps. It's got to be integrated. It's got to be infused. It's got to be embedded. It's got to be daily. Why do we think that it's any different than, than the same model that we use for absolutely everything in sport? And when, when somebody listens to this, they'll go, oh, yeah. But why we didn't go, oh, yeah, at the beginning of the season, it's, it's, it's a mystery to me. It seems so obvious when you hear it, but I'm not seeing enough people do it. Certainly many are, but sadly, there's still the exception. 
it's like, it's what I call the bring in the expert mentality. And we don't do that with anything else. Yeah. You don't, you don't, okay, I'm going to bring in an expert to, and then fill in the blank. We don't do that. But somehow we still are living in that world in mental skills training and then, and then wonder why we're some groups or athletes or teams aren't getting more value from it. You, I have, I have an idea on why that's the case. Yeah. And I think, I guess in football land where I am too, I, the analogy is, you know, some kids stay after to throw, some stay after to catch. Some are going to have to put in extra work on different extra things in mental too. We do it for, we do it again after practice. What needs extra work? We do it. And how normal, how normal is that? Every day. <laughs> is it true for every, is it true for every footballer? If they want to get a little bit better, that's what they do. Exactly it. In other words, there's nobody that that analogy and that reality doesn't apply to. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're the worst guy on the team because you're staying for extra reps. It means you want to target something and the way to get better at it is more reps. It applies to everybody. Yeah. Well, uh, last question as we wrap up here. During your, your legendary career, you got to work with a lot of amazing opportunities teams um like i said at the beginning your enthusiasm for this is is i hope everyone listening i'm sure they're catching an infection of of your joy and enthusiasm for it but what in your career has brought you the most joy as you work with athletes and coaches what what brings you great joy that just gave me goosebumps it truly <laughs> gave me goosebumps because i know what that is it's the people i am so fortunate to work with the best in the world at what they do the best in the world at their craft. And so to, to watch them like be in that inner circle, you know, people see them on game days, on race days, on big events. You know, I see them at four in the morning sometimes, at six in the morning, all day long, late at night. I see literally the blood for sure the sweat, not infrequently the tears. And so to be part of their lives in their quest for excellence is a gift and a privilege that I'm aware of and grateful for every day of my life. And, and, and then when you have enough birthdays in this field, to then have that relationship transition into a friendship, into, a, a, a lifelong commitment to be there for one another. You know, I, I see them before their parents and then I see their children grow up uh, to be there at the big events in their lives. After I've been there for the big events in their competitive lives, I think there's no, no greater gift in my life than the people in it for sure. That's number one. Beautifully said. Well, thank you so much for your, for your time, your insights, your answering some million dollar questions. Extremely grateful for your, your time and, and being able to spend it with us. Thank you. Thanks for all you do. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again. And if I can help you with anything, please reach out and don't forget, go elevate others.